Welcome to The Five Nine, the official podcast of the Fierce Telecom and Technology Group. Join us each week for the latest insights on 5G, millimeter wave, AI, electronics, sensors, networking, infrastructure, and more in the communications and technology space. All right, welcome everyone to another episode of the Five Nine Podcast, the podcast you used to know as the Fierce Telecom Podcast, but of course now with a new name. But as always, the same exciting and exclusive interviews, and this week is absolutely no different. I'm really pleased to have today a uh, very interesting and well-known character, certainly in Canada, and uh, I'm excited to hear how they're the wireless uh, community and industry is moving along and perhaps some lessons we can take at an international level. So Robert Giz, President and CEO of the Canadian Wireless Telecommunications Association, CWTA. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you uh, very much for for having me on here, Alejandro. And I think it's, uh, you know, it's an exciting time um, in the world of telecom and wireless uh, as we're making the move into 5G. And um, I think that we're going to see it's almost like with every new G that comes out, uh, there is a an unbelievable amount of growth that happens and new things that pop up that we've never even thought of. So I think that, you know, if we could rewind uh, our lives and and figure out what 3G and 4G we're going to offer, we probably wouldn't be on this podcast because we'd be book billionaires. Um, but I think that um, what we're going to discover that uh, things we're talking about today um, will probably be five years down the road irrelevant, and we'll never even be able to predict what's going to happen down the road. So it's an exciting time. Well, that's a great way to start, I think, and and perhaps for us a, a great excuse to have you on once those things are irrelevant, and we can talk about the next big cycle in telecoms. But till then, we'll we'll stick to what we know now, Robert. Um, listen, Robert, before we we get started about five G um, and and you know all the great impact that's having and and where you are in that deployment journey in Canada, I wanted to give you an int- uh, a brief opportunity here to talk a little about uh, a little bit about CWTA who you represent, and some of the key work streams and, and some of the work that you're carrying out. Yeah, great. Uh, you know, we're at the uh, Canadian Wireless Telecommunications Association. We represent uh, what I call the facilities-based providers in Canada. So those uh, network builders, uh, you know, you've got Rogers, Bell, Eastlink, Videotron, Sastel, uh, Freedom, Shaw, uh, smaller ones uh, like Explore. Um, we also represent uh, the suppliers as well. Uh, so Nokia, uh, Ericsson, Samsung. So the ones that uh, provide the equipment. Um, and then we actually have a couple of different streams uh, within uh, our association as well. Uh, I, I would call them subsidiaries. One's called Stack, which represents uh, those people that uh, work on the towers um, and uh, are uh, out there ensuring that we stay connected. We also have something called, we have hundreds of members uh, in that category. Um, and then we have something called the 5G Canada Council, uh, where typically, well, pre-COVID, 
we would put on one or two big events a year uh, where we would talk about uh, developments in 5G. And then once COVID hit, we did a few online platforms. And uh, I'm sure like you and many of your listeners, uh, we're looking forward to getting back to uh, in-person events. Um, so uh, yeah, that's a little bit about CWC. We, we run programs such as uh, the Mobile Giving Foundation. Uh, so that's our charitable arm. Uh, we run device check. Uh, we run the short code program here in Canada. Uh, so we've got a, a lot going on. Um, it's a it, it's a great uh, environment. We've got probably 15 to 20 staff, but we also use external consultants as well. Um, and it's a, it's a great place uh, to work. Great, and and on that, I, I suggest for for our listeners, and we'll, we'll certainly put it on the on the notes uh, there with a link. But the sub the CWTA website has so much information; it's 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 really quite something. And actually, this is how we we've ended up in this conversation here, just out of questions that came out of that with your team, Robert. And and I thought it was a good chance to to hear directly from you. Now, you, you've mentioned about all the the great work that you're doing. I wanted to start specifically talking about 5G in Canada. Um, and perhaps, uh, you know, for folks that, are, that aren't as familiar with the ecosystem there and with the deployment journey uh, as it currently stands, could you fill us in on, on where uh, Canada is in terms of the 5G rollout and deployment um, and, and what you're perhaps excited about uh, as this is uh, unfolding? Yeah, so we're, if you compare us, let's say, to the United States, um, we're probably a little behind. And when I say a little, let's say a year, maybe two. Um, so our first deployment of 5G, uh, you know, was back at the beginning of 2020, but that was really with some low band spectrum. Uh, the 3500 did not really get, uh, start uh, getting deployed um, until last year. Uh, but now that the 3500 is is being deployed, uh, you know, 5G is starting to pick up. Uh, October of next year, the 3800 uh, will be auctioned off. Um, so, yeah, we're a little bit behind, um, but at the same time, uh, you know, it's about quality, too. And, and you know, yes, we could complain. Government should be rolling out spectrum um, a little bit faster. But at the same time, you want to know what? I kind of have the opinion that uh, this is not a sprint. It's a marathon. Um, and that, you know, if you look at Canada when it came to 4G and LTE, we were a little bit behind the U.S. Uh, but if you looked at us over the last couple of years, our networks were were faster than the United States. So, uh, yeah, we might be a touch behind, uh, but we're starting to make some progress uh, and, and the build out is happening. And as as kind of I said in the opening, there's so much potential with 5G that I think, you know, you're not going to see really the fruition of, of, you know, what 5G has to offer for a little bit of time anyway. Uh, so I'm pretty excited about getting it rolled out and rolled out properly. And uh, uh, we want we want Canada. I, I think those countries that, you know, if you look in the past, uh, you know, those countries that can roll it out in a timely manner, but also have quality quality networks are going to be the ones that are going to create those entrepreneurs. That's going to create the next great thing uh, that nobody's ever thought of before. And, um, you know, I think 5G also offers a lot of different things. And, you know, I know you have questions. I kind of like to ramble on a little bit. So if, if I go That's into great. it, I'll, I'll come back <laughs> later on. But, you know, with 5G, uh, you know, you're going to have the opportunity for remote health care, um, 
environmental uh, benefits, smart cities, um, you know, flying Ubers, who knows what it's going to be. Um, you know, the, it's, it's really endless what can happen. And I think that it's going to be, it could be a game changer in terms of, you know, also helping bridging that rural urban divide. There's just so many possibilities that I, I, I'm, I'm very excited about it. And yeah, I hope we do do this again in five years time, because some of the things I'm saying now, uh, might end up being irrelevant and there'll be brand new things that uh, we haven't even thought about yet. Absolutely. And and I certainly want to spend some time talking about that that digital divide and, and we'll leave that for, for a little later in this talk. But I wanted to touch on two points that, that you brought up. First, specifically on that spectrum allocation element, you said that, that it perhaps hasn't moved as quickly as, as some would like. Is it an issue of, of cost? Is it an issue of, of just you know regulation? What what has been the the story there with 5G spectrum? Yeah, it's mainly, um, I'm going to say, slowed down with regulations. Uh, you know, governments have to go out and do their consultations on how to best have an auction for uh, for spectrum when it is deployed. Um, and in Canada, we have uh, what are called the incumbents and then the new entrants. Um, and I need to be careful here because they're all my members and they all have different points of view on how... Uh, spectrum should be auctions, but so they have to submit their wishes on how they would like to see auctions run. Uh, government needs to do consultations and then go back and forth and then uh, launch kind of an auction based on, you know, I guess the best practices that they think they're, they're getting to. And then you're right. Cost is a major thing in Canada. Um, you know, not only, cost because of our build outs. Let, like, let's just think of it. You know, we, we have, we're bigger than Europe size wise. We're, uh, so to speak, we're, you know, larger than the United States. Our population is similar to the state of California. Um, so Canada is a very, very uh, high cost uh, build out country. Um, with a lot of different dynamics and different populations. And, you know, we have, we like to say we have urban, uh, we have just outside urban, we have rural, we have remote, we have extreme remote, we have First Nations, uh, there's, we have the, the extreme north, um, we go, go from coast to coast, uh, from, uh, you know, Victoria all the way to Newfoundland and Labrador. It's actually faster to get to Europe uh, if you live on the East Coast than it is to get to the West Coast of Canada. Uh, so just to put that uh, in perspective, um, you know, those are the challenges. Just to give you some numbers, you know, the 3,500 auction that took place in 2021, uh, the federal government raised about $9 billion through that auction. Um, so that is a massive amount of money and an investment that uh, my members need to make. And then on top of that, then they need to go out and spend the money to build their networks. You know, we did a report recently where between 2021 and 2026, we estimate that it's going to cost $26 billion to roll out 5G in Canada. That's not even including our spectrum costs. So it's an enormous amount of money. It's one of the biggest investments ever. Um, and I think that... Um, there's a lot of possibilities, but it, it is an extremely expensive G to do the build out on. 
Sure. And and how, you know, obviously it's a it's a big investment. You mentioned that perhaps, you know, the deployment is, is a year behind uh, the U.S. I'd imagine that that creates some expectation or excitement from customers in terms of being able to access 5G um, and whether that's a, an individual or an enterprise. I imagine that's where the motivation is coming from that investment, right? I mean, the appetite must be there from the consumer side as well um, in, in some of those applications you mentioned, even if it's just for faster connectivity. Yeah, it, it is and it isn't. Like, you know, uh, for, for people in the telecom world, it is a very exciting time. And for those probably millennials and youngers that kind of understand, you know, if, if, you, if you remember watching that, the uh, Apple movie with Steve Jobs and everybody would go into the auditorium when he'd launch a new product. Like, I think crowds like that are very excited about 5G. The layman person out there really doesn't understand it yet. Um, but I think that um, through smart um, uh, sports that you're going to see, the more connectivity there. You've got industries that are understanding it. We've had some rollout in mining. Um, I think you're going to see it roll out in the oil and gas industry. I think you're going to see it roll out in the agricultural industry, where it's going to make all those um, industries really more competitive, more efficient, help them reduce down their greenhouse gas emissions. Um, you know, I don't think it's going to lower the workforce, but at the same time, there's a balance to similar to how in other parts of the world we're seeing labor shortages. Um, you know, I don't think people need to worry about losing their jobs, but I think hopefully it will make everything more efficient and make those jobs uh, more efficient and hopefully more rewarding for people as well. So yes, there's the excitement for those who know what's coming and what the possibilities are. And then there's going to be those that are going to say in a couple of years, kind of like you know, before you had Netflix or you could watch a show on your phone or watch a live event on your phone, you know, you went back and you told people that was possible. They said, no, nah, that's not going to happen. Well, there's going to be things that are going to happen with 5G that are going to really probably blow people's minds, I think, in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I still remember when we would get the DVDs in the mail. Um, and then before that, of course, we'd go to the video rental spots, right? Everything's moving very quickly. That's that's for sure. Um, yeah, exactly. Or, or you'd be looking up your stocks in the newspaper and calling your <laughs> stock broker. Uh, you know, I like to say we are the enabler of everything. Like, just think how much wireless and telecommunications has transformed the world. I think, you know, if you take the other big industries, banking, oil and gas, um, mining, um, you know, the education system, the healthcare system, government systems, they're all massive. But all the change that they've experienced has come because of the innovators who work in telecommunications and the wireless industry. We are the enabler for the economy. We are the enabler for the future of the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. That that makes a lot of sense. And and I know you've already mentioned some of those key use cases specifically for Canada, whether it's in, in mining, oil and gas. Where do you see 5G really making an impact? You know, we're hearing a lot about uh, private wireless networks, specific enterprise services. Are there, you know, specific areas that, that are looking more intently in, in Canada at 5G and, and perhaps ahead of the curve in, in terms of trials and deployment? Yeah. So, uh, you know, in terms of trials and deployment, we're seeing 
as it's just rolling out, we're not seeing too much of it yet. We're seeing some in mining. There's been some some big announcements there, some around sports, because a lot of our telecommunications companies in Canada own the sports teams. Um, so you're seeing it in, in arenas with uh, whether or not it's uh, basketball or hockey, uh, football, soccer. You're seeing it in those areas. I'll talk about one area where I think it's probably going to be very exciting. I was in Barcelona pre uh, for GSMA Worlds pre uh, COVID. So let's say I'm guessing it was 2019. I yep, sat yep. through a the first um, kind of tele uh, surgery, and it was really quite phenomenal to be able to watch it in real time and live in a country like Canada, where we are so uh, diverse and geographically challenged, I think healthcare it could be a game changer. Because, you know, if you have someone who lives out in a rural or remote area, I'm sorry, but we're not going to be able to offer heart surgeries or, or different things in those areas. You know, even top-notch emergency medicine or triage, uh, and a lot of the times, you know, we have helicopters, we have ambulances, we have planes that are moving these patients around. And when it comes to health care, time is a, is off the essence. And I think that I'm hoping to see over the next five years that you're going to see 5G enable, you know, a doctor in downtown Toronto uh, Canada to be able to uh, either perform a surgery or monitor someone uh, who lit, who's five hours away remotely and their life is dependent on time. And in today's world, they may not make it, but because of 5G, um, they're going to have an opportunity to live and be saved. So uh, for me, I'm going to say healthcare is probably going to be one of the more exciting areas. And we are, we're also experiencing similar to other areas of the world where uh, healthcare uh labor shortages, doctors, nurses, uh, other healthcare providers is, is becoming more and more difficult. And if you can become more efficient through technology and, and be able to recruit in doctors by saying, you know, you can live wherever you want and you can still, but you can perform your work, daily work all over the country through 5G, um, I, I think that that's going to help with the labor shortages as well. So, you know, if you ask me one area where I think there's the most potential uh, for the greater good um, and for, you know, improving our society, uh, I'm going to say it's going to be around healthcare. Excellent. Yeah. Little did we know, Robert, we were in the same room. I was there to witness that as well. And okay. it was incredible, incredible. Yeah. Like they were, um, it, it was just, you know, like just with the latency and the speed, they were able to direct incredible. on, on you know, somebody having an operation. It was, it, it was to me when I was there in that room, it was, I found it inspiring. And, um, and, you know, that's 2019. So, you know, over the last three years, the advancements, once the 3,800 comes out and you have all these different uh, bands uh, that are able to kind of work together, um, it, it, it's it's going to be mind-blowing. 
Absolutely. And I think little did we know then the the impact that connectivity would have on our lives, right, as we moved into uh, COVID-19, the, the pandemic and, and so forth. And and before we move on to talking a little bit about the role of telecoms there, I know that your association does a lot of work on economic impact and, you know, what 5G means for Canada's economy uh, broadly. Before we jump into talking about, you know, what, what role Telco has played in, in the last uh, couple of years. And, and also, I, I also want to talk more about that um, geographically challenged setting, as you said, right, of, of Canada specifically. Perhaps it, it might be worth just starting that discussion in what are some headline numbers that you guys are seeing um, of, of that 5G economic impact in Canada? Yeah, so we've done a couple of different reports on that. Um, so we know right now that the telecom industry contributes about $75 billion a year to Canada's uh, GDP. Uh, it supports up to 650,000 jobs. 5G, so we did a report with Accenture that looked at 5G between 2021, 2026. I mentioned the $26 billion that my members are going to have to spend to do that build out. But we're estimating it will add an incremental $40 billion to the GDP um, and upwards of 250,000 jobs. And, you know, people question all the time, well, how do you know it'll make that much of a difference? It goes back to my previous answer. You look at all the other industries that have changed since we've moved into a more wireless world, whether or not it's banking to mining to oil and gas to healthcare to government services, all of that with 5G, similar to how 4G and LTE made a massive difference, you know, 5G will hopefully take it to the next level. So it's the numbers are massive. Um, and um, I think that it's going to be uh, an incredible opportunity uh, for society to advance. You know, if you're someone who likes to be stuck in the past, uh, you know, 5G is probably not for you. But I think that, that th- those those type of people are uh, very much in the minority, um, if not the extreme minority. So, yeah, people are going to be pretty excited about 5G. One other use case, though, that I did want to mention, Alexandro, because, you know, I like talking about the healthcare, but I also like talking about something I saw, and it was at a, I'm going to say, GSMA CTIA down in, I think we're in LA one year. And I love touring through the conference centers and just looking at these ideas Uh, that are coming forward. And one of them that I sat in on on this presentation, and basically it was showing a demonstration of a flying Uber. Um, And when I say a flying Uber, it was almost like a, a, uh, a drone, but a large drone that can hold people. And if you've been ever traveling around the world or stuck in traffic in New York, L.A., Toronto, Vancouver, Barcelona, you know, these cities are are getting more and more masses. And I saw this one that said, you know, right now, if you wanted to send up a large drone carrying someone, you can't do it because, you know, you need to make sure that you're not going to run into power cords or airplanes or whatever else might be in the sky or disrupt things. But with the uh, 5G and the connectivity, it will be able to talk to a thousand different things all at the same time which will enable that. So imagine 
imagine a airport ride where you get in your Uber today and you're leaving downtown Toronto and, you know, you're hoping you're going to make your flight, but it all depends on traffic, which may take 45 minutes or, or to an hour. And you get in this flying Uber um, or drone, whatever it might be, you could be there in 10 minutes and you know that you're not going to have to worry about traffic. So, you know, there's going to be those things. Plus, I think traffic is going to get better, too, because the cars to talk to the traffic lights, to talk to the lanes on the road, to be able to make sure that traffic is moving more efficiently. So not only is it good for you and me, but then that means there's less traffic on the road, which means people are using their cars less, which means greenhouse gases are going to go down as well. So anyway, I'm droning on here, (laughs) rambling on, uh, but it's just, there's so many areas that uh, I think this is uh, going to help uh, improve society. No, absolutely, Robert. And I don't think you're droning on. I think the enthusiasm is uh, is exactly what the industry needs to to make these use cases a reality with with 5G coming out. Um, I, I wanted to shift the conversation a little bit to talk about you know that digital divide and and reaching communities across Canada, um, and and uh, that's why I started with the economic impact because some of that will inevitably be giving folks that are perhaps unconnected or have limited connectivity the opportunity to be a part of that digital economy to modernize their uh, you know even their households but you know have have the 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 chance to to become part of the the digital um, society as as it may be um, so where where, where is Canada in that journey? I think, as you mentioned, very um, unique circumstances geographically um, and, and from even just a sheer size, but also weather, you know, right? So I imagine there's all sorts of, of challenges in reaching these communities. So first, I wanted to ask you from the, from the technology side, um, is 5G a part of that uh, solution. And then I imagine you, your members and, and you as an association, you must be looking at an umbrella of solutions, right? 5G is part of that puzzle. I imagine satellite fiber, whatever it might be. Where are where are you in, in that journey? What are you hearing um, in terms of that, that you know, battle, but, but the efforts to reduce that digital divide? Yeah, so I think that, um, you know, the digital divide is something that we need to definitely overcome because we've seen the numbers in terms of being able to grow GDP, the economic benefits, the social benefits, um, you know, whether or not it's through education, uh, the healthcare, uh, you name it, connecting with your family, helping with mental illness, all these things connectivity can, I, I think can help with. And, you know, Canada's in a unique situation with our geographic size and our a small population. We're doing not bad, okay, with our connectivity. Now, I know that those out there in Canada that are not connected will say, no, we're not doing a good job. Uh, but I, I've been, anyway, I know you'll, we'll, we might get into this uh, later on, but I was in politics before this and I said, you never hear from people that are happy. You only hear from people that are unhappy. Um, and you know, our numbers right now, according to the CRTC, show that 99% of Canadians where they live um, have access to 4G, okay? 4G and LTE. Now, having said that, that's still 1%. And 1% of, you know, 40 million people is still a good number of people that are not connected. Plus, that does not include our highways. Our highways 
are probably only around 80, a little over 80 percent connected. And that leaves in a country our size, 80 percent might seem like a large number. When you have a country our size and you take 15 or 20 percent that does not have coverage, that's a lot of driving <laughs> and and a lot of highways. So, you know, we do have a lot to do. Our speeds in those areas are well. There was a study from I think it was Open Signal who found that if Canada if Canada, if rural Canada were a country onto itself, it would have the 12th fastest wireless networks in the world. So where we have them, they're very good. This is back before 5G. So this report would be about two years old. Um, so, you know, there, there is a lot to do. But your question was around 5G and connecting people. So originally, not originally, but over the last few years, you know, there was wireline and wireless. And with 5G, it's going to start to integrate the wireless and the wireline. And so you're right, it's it's the fiber, it's going to be the wireless, it's going to be now fixed wireless, um, which is going to make it easier to connect that last mile. So, you know, building fiber or different types of wireline connectivity for hundreds of thousands of kilometers or, or tens of thousands of kilometers into a rural community may not be the most economically viable option, but building it to a hub and then using 5G to connect that last mile um, is something that will probably be more cost effective, but will allow those communities to get the connectivity that you know the major urban areas are seeing. So yes, I do think that 5G has the opportunity to bridge that urban-rural divide. Great, and and uh, you know you hinted there at your your ba- your background in politics. So I, I failed to mention, perhaps strategically, that that you of course had a very distinguished career before joining the the CWTA in politics as premier of uh, Prince Edward Island, and uh, and so I wondered, as you're now working with the telecommunications industry, is there um, a bridge, an appetite to work with with the the politicians, with the, the local communities, with even at a national level to address this? And, and perhaps are there any um, tools or levers or even funding that's available out there for the, the wireless industry in Canada to alleviate some of that huge cost that you were alluding to earlier to, to reach everyone? Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, I think governments do have a role to play. So, you know, we're, I'm a uh, middle of the road, uh, kind of not on the left, not on the right. I like being right down the middle. Uh, you know, I believe in uh, in a capitalist society where, you know, if if the private sector can go out and do something, allow them to do it, do it, create a regulatory environment that um, makes sure that you hold them accountable, uh, but you allow them to get a good return on their investment. Um, and I think that that's how... Th- Things should work. Now, where that does not work, then I think that's where governments have a role to play. So if there's an area where it does not make economic sense and a private sector cannot get the return on investment that they need, then governments have to play a role. Within Canada, uh, we have you know our two main levels of government, our, our federal government and our provincial governments. All of them have programs to help uh, 
bridge that urban rural divide, which is a good thing. Um, and mainly it's through uh, uh, wireline, but there is some wireless that takes place. The federal government through our minister of ICED, which is essentially minister of industry for, for your uh, listeners out there, has a program with a $4 billion fund. Um, our provincial governments all have programs that are going to match that. Um, and, you know, our goal in Canada is to um, have a target of around 2025 with 5010 connections for every single Canadian. You know, it, it, it varies a little bit between 2025 and 2030, but I think 2025 is, is, is a good target area. That gives us another three, three years, two and a half, three years to four years to be able to make that happen. Uh, and there's a lot happening right now. So to answer your question, governments do have a role to play. Uh, they are the regulator. They do need to provide a regulatory environment that encourages investment to not only make sure that more Canadians get connected, but also to ensure that telecommunications companies are incentivized to also upgrade their networks. Um, because I've seen it myself where, um, you know, a government will partner with the private sector, but it's to build a technology that maybe three years old. Um, and then I think one of the improvements that they can make through this funding is to have legacy funding as well in their programs so that, yes, if they go out and build, that they're not left behind in three or four years that, you know, there's new speeds, there's new technologies that they actually go out and get uh, uh, upgraded as well. So there is a role for government to play um, and um, there is a role for the private sector to play as well. You know, I had a question written down here to to ask you why you moved from politics into into the telecommunications world. But I feel like in the last 25 minutes, you spelled it out, right? All the different use cases, all the exciting things that telecoms can can bring to industry to 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 folks. Is is that uh, is that a fair assessment? Are you, are you excited about everything that's happening? Is that why you you made this uh, transition into into the industry? Yeah. So I would say government wise, I had the best job in the world. You know, I was premier off Prince Edward Island. Just for your viewers out there, we're Canada's smallest province. Uh, I like to say we're the most beautiful. We've got great, great golf courses, sandy beaches. Um, our seafood and culinary is second to none. Uh, most likely if you're eating an oyster or a mussel somewhere in the world. Uh, it's probably coming from Prince Edward Island. Uh, our lobster industry, our potatoes are world famous. Anne of Green Gables comes from here. If you're, uh, if you're a literary a novelist, um, you know, we have a spectacular province. And I said, you know, I had a dream job for eight years. Leaving politics, um, you know, I think that part of the reason why our industry uh hired me uh, was, you know, first of all, having an association with members that are all competitive with, with one another um, and perhaps have some, you know, want to steal each other's customers. Um, but they also need someone who's able to keep the association together, keep the members together, look for that commonality that they have to be able to go out and promote that to the general public, to government, to regulators, uh, and to tell our good news story. And you're right, it is that 
I think we're the enabler for everything. So, you know, every industry depends on us. So if we're not delivering, um, you know, their return on investments or their ROIs are not going to be as good. They de- Every industry depends on us to be able to, there'd be no such thing as, as Facebook, Google, Uber, Apple, any of these things. If we did not build the networks so that all those companies or all those industries could benefit from what our members do, and that is go out there and connect people. So yeah, it's a, um, I had the best job in the, uh, when I was a government official, and now I've got the best job that I'm in the private sector. So I, I've been very fortunate. Brilliant. Well, Robert, I think we'll leave it there with an open invitation to our listeners to to come over to Prince Edward Island and check out some of those golf courses and great food. I think that's a, that's a great way to wrap things up because I frankly think we could be here all day hearing uh, about the great things that are happening in Canada from a telecoms perspective. And uh, yeah, I really want to thank you for your time and congratulate you and your association for all the great work uh, that's that's been going on uh, north of the border. And, and I look forward to catching up uh, again soon as, as you go further into that uh, into that 5G journey. Awesome. Well, if we end up in the at the same conference and in the same room, hopefully we'll have a chance to meet in person. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Now we'll know. All right. Well, Robert Giz, thank you so much again for joining us. And to you, listener, as well. Thanks for being with us for another week. Stay tuned for another interview next week coming your way. Until then, thanks and stay safe. Take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Five Nine, Fierce Telecom's official telecom and technology podcast. Follow us on Zencaster to get the latest ICT insights each week. Get the latest telecom and technology news at our websites. FierceWireless.com, FierceElectronics.com, FierceTelecom.com, and FierceVideo.com. See you soon.